Well, hey, Babel Love listeners, so glad you're back with us today on this first day of July, Um, because the 4th of July is coming up on Sunday. We thought we would pray the Collect for the Nation from the Book of Common Prayer, page 820. The Lord be with you. And also with you. And also with you. Almighty God, who has given us the good land for our heritage, we humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. Bless our land with honorable industry, sound learning, and pure manners. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people, the multitudes brought hither out of many kindreds and tongues. Do with the spirit of wisdom those to whom in thy name we entrust the authority of government. That there may be justice and peace at home. And though through obedience to thy law, we may show forth thy praise among the nations of the earth. In the time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness. And in the day of trouble, suffer not our trust in thee to fail. All which we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. here with a very special guest. Uh, last time we had a guest, it was one of my friends and Mary Balfour's friends as well, Jimmy Hartley. So I have to apologize for that. And as part of my restitution, because we talked last week about restitution, we had to bring on a good guest to make up for the failure of the last time. Uh, so we brought in another of my good friends who actually knows Jimmy. So that's why I laughs. But the Reverend Kyle Martindale was a seminary classmate of mine. He's like eight feet tall. He's probably my tallest friend, um, which my boys love. Uh, Kyle was a great friend and help to me and my family in seminary. He's now rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Pearl River, New York. He serves in some leadership positions around the Diocese of New York, and he's also the host of a new podcast called Episcopal Priest Explains. He'll talk a little bit about that more later, but since he knows the world of podcasting, we invited him to come on and help us talk about numbers. Hey, Kyle, how are you? I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you both for having me here. I enjoy listening. I I didn't I missed the Jimmy one, but I got all the the backlash from it because I listened to the episode where you were apologizing for it. Yeah, I don't think I can ever apologize enough for Jimmy Hartley. <laughs> so, oh, Mary Balfour, yeah. Numbers Chapter Seven. Yeah, we're today we're going to go through seven and eight. And Kyle, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you hear some birds chirping in the background, I am in Tennessee enjoying it. Um, and you guys are in hot South Carolina and hot New York. I understand it's hot there. It's about 75 degrees here this morning. So I'm not hot and I'm happy to be with y'all working on numbers. Um so the first part of we're really getting ready to go on the journey. This is where we get there in numbers. Um, a lot of what do we need? What do we need to offer to God? What do we need to sacrifice? What do we need to bring so that we can create 
our next part of the journey. Um, and that's really what seven and eight feels like to me. Um, and I'd love to hear more from y'all too. Um, in mine, I was telling them, uh, the guys before we started, I'm in a cottage and, um, the only Bible here, because I forgot mine is a red letter edition Bible. So there's a lot of spake and thou and that and hard words. Um, (laughs) So it might be better if someone else reads from there, but there's a lot, a lot. The first couple of verses are a lot of offerings um, of oxen and wagons, all the things the Levites need to make their new home. What do y'all think? Right, well, I think uh, hard. There's enough hard words in it without uh, without having the spake in that you know right right don't add Nation to the and Issachar are hard enough right. yeah and it, i mean as long as we just say it then like the three of us nod our heads yeah you Sounds know good. no one knows any difference right like maybe our our old testament professors would know mm-hmm. but yeah so here in seven you know the day when moses finished setting up the tabernacle he had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and all of that the leaders of israel heads of their ancestral houses the leaders of the tribes they brought their offerings before the Lord. And so, yeah, first we have these six covered wagons and 12 oxen and Moses took those. And then we go in and every ancestral house presents the same thing. And so you get in there like starting in verse 12 all the way through verse 80 or something. Um, it's the same paragraph almost verbatim. The leader of the ancestral house brings um brings one silver plate weighing 130 shekels, one silver basin, um, choice flour and oil, one golden dish, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb, a year old, one male goat, two oxen, five rams, five male goats. So every, and so 12 times this thing happens, the leader of the ancestral house comes and presents this flock of animals and this, you know, serving set of of accoutrements and takes it to Moses and it happens 12 times. What, what do you, what does that bring up for y'all? Kyle, you mentioned something about the gender of all these animals. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that sometimes our mind goes to in, in seeing this 12 times, especially when we're reading it in numbers, we see it's all these rams and male goats and male and male, and it makes it seem like that's maybe being said to be more important. Uh, And I just said that the other side of that is that maybe it's a statement that the community, these are the spares, you know, (laughs) You don't, you need a female goat and you need a female sheep in order to make more sheep. You, you can't keep presenting offerings if you kill all the female sheep. Uh, but, but if you kill a whole bunch of the males, you still are good to go. Uh, and so I just thought it was a, a kind of nice to hold those two together because, you know, we see so often in the Bible that leaning towards the male. Um, but the other side of this is still acknowledging that the female is indispensable. Well, um, as the lone female on this podcast today, I will um, I will appreciate that and take that. I I think though also like sometimes we get um, <clears throat> kind of caught up in all the bring this and like the detail of it all, but it also makes sense. I mean, we've all moved. There's certain things you need when you move. You need your cups, your saucers, your plates. Your you know you got to have those things. 
Um, and especially, and that's what's happening, right? They're, they're, they're doing what Alan's doing right now. They're loading up the moving truck. They're getting ready for the next adventure, right? And so it may seem a little bit repetitive, but it, I think we're just trying to make sure we have everything we need to be the best we can be to serve the Lord in the next journey. That's what kind of make, what kind of goes in my head when I think about this. Um, I don't, in the red letter, letter Bible, um, it has, um, the princes and the prince. Um, did y'all have that in the first part of, of chapter seven? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So in this, this is the verse two that the prince of Israel, head of the house of their fathers, who were the prince of the tribes and were over them, that they were numbered and offered. So they're called princes in the Red Letter Bible, which is sort of interesting to me. Um, and then the princesses. So they're like actually like getting this elevation, right, from, from the lay people. We, we specifically have the priests that we've talked about earlier in Numbers, and the lay people are called prince and princesses. So all you yeah. lay people out there, your prince and princesses for the day. And that's a cool thing, right? I'll get you a crown. Um, I just thought that was kind of neat. So maybe there was something divine about me picking up the red letter Bible today so that I could call all our lay people princes and princesses. <laughs> that works. Yeah. yeah. And I also, you know, one thing I thought of with that all the tribes are bringing the same 12 things. And so there's something egalitarian about that. Right. Mm -hmm. One tribe couldn't say, oh, we're bringing this right. and you only brought that. We're all in the same. It's, yeah. It's so there it's more about the act of giving rather mm -hmm. than the gift. Yeah. Like everyone is, is doing the same and it's sacrificial probably. I mean, that 200 gold and silver plate silver that is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's incredibly valuable and for anyone to give up livestock, but but no one could say, oh, we did this and you only did that. Like everyone had the same skin in the game. I think that is an excellent point because we do compare ourselves to each other and what this person has or what that person has. And it is nice to all walk in. We're all on the same level. We all have the same amount of things. We're all equal in God's eyes. We're loved equally in God's eyes. And I think that's a beautiful point, Alan. Yeah. And I, I was listening. A reminder that the love is equal. Yeah. Yeah. It's very equal. And that's a good thing. We interrupted you, Alan. No, no. I was just going to say, I was on a stewardship webinar last week, and one of the speakers said, you know, you always hear the phrase, no gift is too small. Mm -hmm. But that presupposes that someone is giving a small gift. Right. So he, he flips it and says, no gift is too large. The, the woman in the Bible who gave one mite, that gift wasn't too large. That gift was what she was called to do. Oh, I love we can't, that. We can't even belittle it and say, oh, it's not too small. It's what you can do. No, it's generous. Everything is generous. What a beautiful thing. So really that's seven y'all, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just this household setting up. We're all going on equal footing and these are all the things that you need to bring. Yep. Okay. We want to dig into eight. Yeah. Eight. Go for it, Alan. Yeah. So eight, again, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you set up the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. Aaron did so. He set up its lamps and give light in front of the lampstand as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now this was how the lampstand was made out of hammered work of gold from its base to its flowers. It was hammered work according to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses. So he made the lampstand. 
So here, you know, we get to Levites, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the lampstand, something that stuck out to me is, is that imagery of the lampstand. That's something that comes up when we get to the New Testament, mm -hmm. right? Um, particularly when we get to Revelation, like the lampstand is a sign of the church, right? And here, um, you know, the lampstand, there's all this attention paid to the lampstand being constructed, but the lampstand itself doesn't do anything. All it does is hold the lamp. And so there it makes me think of what they're building, the tabernacle, what they're building, the church, the community. It doesn't do anything except hold other things. And so we as the church, they as the people of God, they held the lamp that was God's presence. We hold the lamp that is Christ's presence. Mm. How beautiful. What do you think, Al? Well, it's beautiful. Um, I, I agree. First, I agree with everything that Alan said. He, because <laughs> I'm afraid of him or, or whatever. But uh, um, I also find it fascinating that in there, it's that it was made according to the pattern that the Lord had shown. Mm. So it, it's kind of almost this recall into the ark of Noah and, and all these other times where God lays out before us what God is asking for, you know, the, the this is going to be different. This lampstand is different and it's different and it's set apart because God has called it to be. Uh, and, and like Alan said, it doesn't do anything, but it's special because you made it and God helped you make it. And it, it kind of encourages us to, to move forward when God, is acting in our lives, I think. Well, and I, I think that that's, too. yeah, it brings the old and the new and, and where we are in the middle, like all together, right? This, these are important steps, but that lampstand stays the same. It's always there. It's always right. holding up, even in the valleys and the lows and the mountaintops, right? Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. what you said, Kyle, is really important about, um, that, it's made in a special way. And we've seen that a lot. We'll see it here in a minute with like people shaving their whole bodies or people who have to let their hair grow or you have to do God through Moses is very specific, like down to the size of things and the shape of, and all of that. And that I think Kyle, to your point is to show we're going to take this seriously because it has to be set apart. It has to be different. Like people have to be able to look at us and know that we're different. And with the lampstands, I mean, that's the attention you pay to it. You do this down to the letter so that people know, oh, that's the lampstand. And I, we talked about that a little bit last week too. And I, I, that's something I'm really gathering from numbers is, you know, I, Kyle, I always like to like bring it back to our, our lives. Like what can we learn from this in our lives? And you know, a lot of times we're just walking down the street and there's nothing that makes us stand out as Christians, as fall, you know, maybe if we've got our collars on, but Alan and I are not always that great about wearing our collars. Uh, but what is it, you know, and these, these folks in numbers, they were so willing to shave their head, shave every inch of um, hair off their bodies, whatever it may be, they were willing to be so sacrificial. And we really kind of take that for granted in 2021. We're not real sacrificial about what it is that makes us stand out as not cool people, but as people who have said, I am committed to the Lord. You know, I, I really want to, I kind of mentioned that as my question last week, Alan, but I'm really like been thinking about that. How will they know I am a follower of Jesus Christ? 
just by looking at me or whatever the words are that come out of my mouth? How will they know? I think that's really important. And it's a great lesson to learn from all the folks in numbers. Yeah, they, they definitely have this whole, whole other level. I think it was when you were talking about, uh, Alan as Nazarite last week, um, and the head, uh, and, um, and, and now we see these bigger moments and, and, you know, forget the chafing and all that of shaving your entire body, but just, just, and walking through the desert. Uh, but the discomfort and, and of having the practice of having to do it, I, I, you know, I know y'all like to giggle, so I had to say something that would get you there. But just the practice itself of, you know, taking, you know, and back then, you know, the shaving of a face or a head was a thing, but those blades are dangerous and it, mm-hmm. it's time consuming. And so to do these practices over and over day in and day out are, are these moments that the practice itself is important, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not yeah, just the, how we stand out, but the sacrifices in the practice. Uh, and it, it, it results in you standing out and people being able to see who you are. Um, but the practice is the sacrifice itself. No, we are giggling, but you're so right. Um, it that that is just that intentionality. I mean, like, what do we do every day? We like maybe read a little morning prayer. You know, I've been reading my numbers app. I mean, but I'm not spending hours and hours and hours like preparing myself to be the best I can be for the Lord. And so there's just something really beautiful about that. So thank you for that point, Kyle. That's really good. And I'm sorry, I giggled. No, that's okay. <laughs> Giggling so, the soul. Yeah. So we move on in eight after the lampstand. Then the Lord speaks to Moses again, take the Levites from among the Israelites and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to cleanse them, sprinkle the water of purification on them, have them shave their whole body, all of this. So then it's the rest of chapter eight is kind of the setting apart of the Levites. Mm-hmm. You know, you got this whole tribe of people that, um, here in 14, thus you shall separate the Levites from among the other Israelites. And here God says, the Levites shall be mine. Yeah. There's right. this idea that these people are consecrated to the Lord. Everyone is, is this. these are all God's people. But there's something different here where God's saying about the Levites in particular, they are mine. Yeah. What do you think about that, Kyle? Well, it, it, it's this claiming, uh, and, and God has claimed the entire people of Israel as, as God's own people. But, you know, we then go on to hear about them serving in the, uh, at the altars. And, and basically, in, in the Episcopal context, it means not only are my priests from the Levites, but also the acolytes and the, the vergers and the ushers uh, and and the choir. Everybody that that's, you know, engaged is going to be... I'm claiming them as mine because then you need to take care of them because the rest, I don't remember if it's in this section or if it's in the next, in one of the others, but they say, you know, basically take care of the Levites because they're taking care of me. That's where God eventually goes with this. And, and it's just a reminder that if that uh, also a reminder in our baptism that we're all called to do some of these things. Yeah, I love that. You know, we've the numbers has put a lot of attention on the priest, on Aaron and Moses and, and the priest. And I feel like this is where God is saying the lay people are so important to their mind. Um, and, and, and just that sense of I belong to God 
and the Levites are this this group that is his and he is God's and he's going to take care of them and love them and care for them. And um, I think that just brings so much comfort. You know, it must have brought a lot of comfort to them because they've done all this work to prepare. And then in the end, God says, you're mine. I love you and I'm never going to let you go. You know, um, it was worth the work. Right. So, yeah, our lay folks are so important. Keep on acolyting. Keep on ushering. Keep on reading. Um, because it goes all the way back to your roots from numbers. Yeah. I mean, here, the first thing they did with the Levite just sprinkle water on them. That was the signifying of them being claimed by God. Everyone who bears the name Christian, it goes back to that. Like our ordination is secondary. At least I view my ordination as secondary Absolutely. to my call. I think as most in baptism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can't, you, that's, that's something different, you know, yeah. when we're baptized and that water is sprinkled on us, then that that's, that's us being claimed. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, there's no like title four stripping of baptism, right? Yeah. Like you can't, no matter what you do, once God puts that claim on your life or no matter what you think you've done. Yeah. It can never be taken away from you. And there's such beauty in that. Um, I love that. You know, I recently had a parishioner ask me um, about a grandchild who was um, joining, getting married and joining the Jewish faith. And but she had been baptized as a Christian. And um, I said, well, she's going to learn a lot about her history. One. Um, which, you know, is a good thing, but also you can't take that baptism away. It's there forever, no matter what, you know, and God is much bigger than you or I. And so I don't want to be the one trying to figure that out. You know, I know that, they, that your grandchild has been claimed and I'm grateful for that, whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the last little bit here, um, speaks to that, the first part of nine, I think, is connected to this a little bit. It gets into the first celebration of the Passover. First, this gives us a timeline. We know it's been a year since they've mm-hmm. fled Egypt. And here it says, um, you know, Moses, again, God speaking through him, let the Israelites keep the Passover on the 14th day of this month at twilight. But then it goes on and says, now there were certain people who were unclean through touching a corpse, so they could not keep the Passover on that day. And then they have this kind of church council where they figure out what are we going to do. And they're um, organizing. They're organizing. They're trying to figure out, is that is this a deal breaker? Right? Yeah. Just what we were just talking about. Is this person touching a dead body? Yeah. Are they out of the community? And what God says is no. They they can purify themselves and they'll keep it on the 14th day of the next month. And so it's exactly what you were just saying is that, that even the things we talked about last week, the bleeding, the touching a dead body, the things Jesus spoke to in last week's gospel mm-hmm. with Jairus's daughter and the hemorrhaging woman, not even those are enough to keep you out of the community. There may be some purification. There may be some of that, but, but you're welcomed back in. Always. What do y'all think about that idea with the Passover and that it's for everyone? I think it's fascinating. You know, the one of the most fascinating is that they basically say if if you're unclean or you're traveling, you can do it the next month and that's okay. And I think that there's sometimes we just need to be told that it's okay if if we miss it. You know. The, we, 
as Episcopalians, we're not as, as into guilt as some some folks are, but uh, but we can still feel guilty if we're traveling and we miss something, and or we're sick and we miss something. Uh, I, that's how I compare the unclean. You know, I, I most priests I know have at some point in their lives touched a dead body, and then we go and celebrate the Eucharist. But we do wash our hands. Trust us. Uh, but you know whether you're sick or traveling that you're still invited to come and you know it's okay if you need to wait till next month to come uh, it's okay and then also as alan said just now that everyone being invited that also in included here at the end of our our passage for the day resident alien and the native uh, so unclean traveling uh, alien in the foreign land doesn't matter come to passover yeah i think that word okay may seem insignificant to a lot of people, but it, it is actually a really important word. I think people need to hear, okay, it's okay. You're okay. What The thing that might have come out of your mouth maybe wouldn't be if you weren't in a certain place, right? But it's okay. Or you miss traveling or you miss communion, whatever. It's okay. I think that reassurance is particularly important. I've needed it in my life. I've used it for other people in their lives, especially like you think about coming out of the pandemic when people might say, have y'all had anybody come up to you and be like, probably Alan hadn't had this because he hadn't been in the parish, but he's about to um, come up to you and be like, I'm so sorry. I missed like six months of church. Like they feel this guilt. Right. And I have said, it's okay. It's okay. So many times. So I'm really glad you use that word because it does sometimes feel insignificant, but I think it's really true. And I think that's what God is saying in numbers. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Kyle, you have this podcast that I've gotten to listen to every episode of because there's five, I think. Or maybe uh, with a little introduction. Is that with right? a little introduction. There's, there's four so far and another one coming out next week. Yeah. So. so tell us about it because we're big podcast fans, clearly. Bible love podcasts, <laughs> which we love. And we want to know more about your podcast. So tell us about it. Sure. Thank you so much, Mary Balfour. Can uh, we be guests sometimes? Because we like absolutely. We'll 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 get that set up sometime off camera. Uh, I can only do it with Alan. I'm not. Okay, I'm not all right. by myself. Yeah, yeah. It's the I'll have the Bible love crew uh, sometimes because I'm so Episcopal priest explains. I've been working on the idea of it for a couple years now, kind of fleshing it out and making sure that I have the stuff to to launch it and all that all that sort of thing and then you know 2020 came along and everybody you know i, I know y'all have seen the boom in people making podcasts uh and so i i slowed it down and was like well i'm gonna make sure that if i'm doing it i'm doing it well and and all this and and so the whole idea is i don't and alan can attest to this i'm not a super academic uh person <laughs> by nature. Uh, I'll learn about stuff, but I, I kind of learn the the entry line stuff 
uh, in like order to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know enough to do what I need to do. And, okay. and then I am not afraid to ask people about it. Yeah. And so the whole idea of Episcopal priest is, explains is that I don't, uh, I, I give a little introduction to the topic of the week mm -hmm. and just try my best to explain it. Uh, and then I bring in somebody who has lived experience for it or has this, this place of study, uh, mostly so far lived experience. And so, you know, the, my first interview was with Bishop Mary Glasspool of the Diocese of New York. She's the Bishop assistant. And we talked about LGBT Q plus inclusion in the church. And, and she lived through some, almost all of those changes in the church. And I encourage you to listen to it because it's fascinating, you know, for, for your listeners, I'll, I'll give the soundbite from episode one that just fascinates me is that uh, Bishop Mary said, I saw I had two choices, I could either become a priest or a prostitute. Uh, and this is a bishop in the church saying this. And, and so, you know, which nobody, if I wasn't sitting down with her, she would have never said that. And I think it's fascinating. Uh, and then I speak with Father Bill Baker, uh, who also went to seminary with Alan and I about marriage equality in the church and have upcoming interviews with a couple other bishops from around the Episcopal Church as well. Uh, so it's just me acknowledging I don't know a whole lot, but I want to. And I think that there's a lot of people that also desire for this kind of honest engagement with where our church is and has been. Well, I've, like I said, I listened to the episodes and they were great. I loved listening. I've learned a lot and I'm like you, I'm, I'm happy to ask questions. I'm certainly not an expert on anything. If anything, our podcast has like pushed me to learn more and that's exactly what you're doing as well. And I think that's so good. So we'll put it in the show notes, right, Alan, and, and link it. Um, I don't know. We, if you've got all these bishops, we not, might not be high enough quality. <laughs> to be on your podcast. No, um, no. Maybe we, our, our topic could be how to do a podcast with the three of us because we've learned so much in that. Um, but anyway, Kyle, we're really glad you were with us today. Um, we're just going to keep going through numbers. Um, Alan, I think our numbers app is ending today. So hopefully we'll get a new one coming up soon. That's been really fruitful and good. And we hope people will join us on that. Any parting words from you guys? I just want to say one more time, thank you all for having me and, and, and invite me to come and chat. And I, I'm not, this is, you know, I'm, I'm not amazing at Bible study. So this is fascinating because I get to be a part of it and I don't feel like I'm having to lead it. Uh, and I, I just got to be a part of it and walk through it with you. So thank you so much for having me today. Well, thanks for doing it and come back. Um, you know, we've got like another hundred years of the Bible of podcast since we're only in numbers um, and we're so slow. Um, but that just means more time to really dig in. So we're so glad you were here. Um, we hope you all have a safe and wonderful rest of the week. Remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does.